Well, I'm privileged to stand before you today. I'm humbled to stand before you. I'm honored to stand before you and believe that I have something to share with you that will benefit you and and me. You know, we've been singing songs about that God is holy. And as we did that, I've done that for many years, and I often find myself doing that with a desire to enter into that and to walk in that, but not really feeling that I have it. And I suspect a lot of you are the same way. But I hope we can learn this morning that God wants us on a daily basis, not once a week, not once a year, on a daily basis, not just when we're in church, but even when we're in school or when we're at work or whatever we do, to abide in Him and walk in His holiness and His power in His way. And you know, the truth is, a lot of us have been raised up in ways that prevent us from really believing that. We have an image of God that's not right. We have a perception that's not right. And that is that God's sitting up there, a taskmaster with a big stick. And while He is all-powerful and one to be feared, His love for you and I exceeds everything else. And you cannot stop God from loving you. Somebody said this, but they said that you can't do anything to get God to love you more than He does, nor can you do anything to cause God to love you any less. Because God's love for you doesn't depend on you. So you have no say in it. All you can do is receive it. You don't get to decide whether He loves you or not. Isn't that good? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that your performance is not what God looks at to decide if today He's going to love you? He gets up one morning and says, well, Mike, last night you kind of messed up, so I don't think I'll love you today. Aren't you glad that he doesn't do it that way? Because before the foundation of the world, you were chosen by him. Before you even did anything, good or bad. God's ways are not our ways. We've got to learn that. There's a condition, well, before I start that, I want to say this. There's terminology in the Bible that we throw around pretty freely. And sometimes it it confuses us. It leaves us in a, a state of feeling left out or maybe a state of just not understanding. Rod, I want you to put that first slide up there. I want to show you, I'm going to talk about finding life in Christ today, but show the next one there. There's some terms here that we use interchangeably, 
And one sermon will talk about one set of terms, and the next one, something else. We've heard a whole lot about an old man and a new man. And there's at least one scripture up there that talks about each one of those. We've heard about the flesh and the spirit. We've heard about saving your own life or losing your own life. And we've heard about abiding in self and abiding in Christ. And there's probably even others. Virtually, all of the terms on the left mean the same thing. And all the terms on the right mean the same thing. So don't let the terminology mess you up. Don't let the terminology steal the truth from you. Even Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament that we're going to look at this morning, used different phrases. He used the flesh and the spirit often. He said, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But he also said that I am crucified with Christ. My old man is crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me, the new man. Same guy said both of those. John said a, a number of those phrases. So don't let terminology fool you. There is a message here. All of these terms are used to talk about the message. But you need to understand that sometimes the writers use them interchangeably. And we need to know that they're not trying to confuse us. I think that's the devil is trying to confuse us. If you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, verse 21. Now, I'm going to read part of this out of an, a different translation. So he may put it up there and it, it'll read close to the same. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Paul described what I think all of us experience, and that is there's a battle, there's a war going on in us. In each one of us. Inside of us. And that battle is between two laws. One's called the law of sin and death. And the other one's called the law of the spirit of life. Which we'll read on in just a minute. But the law of sin and death. Is that thing in us. That prevents us often. From really trusting in Jesus Christ for all that He has done. I want to read you a scripture in Galatians chapter 4 that points this out. Galatians 4 verse 21. Tell me, you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Do you know what the law is saying? 
Do you understand? If you're going to live under the law, if you're going to make that your standard, what it really is saying. And there's a whole lot more there, and I'm going to skip some of it and jump to verse 30. Verse 30 says, Nevertheless, what does the Scripture say? It says this, Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. If you're going to live under law, the law represents the bondwoman, and you can go back and read that chapter and you'll understand that more fully. Abraham had two sons. One was born by Hagar, the bondwoman. One was born by Sarah, the free woman. And God said, The son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. If you want to be an heir of God, if you're counting on an inheritance in the Spirit of God, it's not going to happen as a bondwoman's son or as an old man or as flesh or as one who abides in himself. That ain't going to happen. You're not going to inherit anything in the old character that we all once were. So he says, cast out the bondwoman and her son. Living under law is trying to do God's will, but unable to keep the law. Living under law brings us to sin. It always brings you back to sin. Why, do you say, does it bring you back to sin? Well, turn it to Romans 14, and, and we'll see that. Romans 14, 23. The last phrase. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So, how do you relate that to the law? Well, like this. Anything you do, not believing that it is God's will, then you're doing it in doubt. And doubt is unbelief. And, and this scripture says, if it's not of faith, it's sin. When sin works in us through unbelief, God comes along and pricks our conscience and says, that's sin. You need to do something about that. But often, what do we do with it? We ignore it or we deny it. And when we do that, we're acting in doubt. If you don't believe me, just back up one verse and let's read it. Verse 22. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he that condemns not himself in that thing which he allows. So see, if you do it in doubt, you condemn yourself. Because you do it, but you do it doubting that it's God's will. That's unbelief. Unbelief 
is sin. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So if you're going to walk under law, then you're going to choose to walk back under sin. Now, I, I understand the audience I'm talking to. You're born-again Christians. I'm not talking to the unbelievers. I'm talking to Christians. And I understand that. And I know that you, not those out there, but you and I are going to walk in sin if we demand on walking under law. In fact, if you look at Galatians 2, verse 18, it says that very thing. Galatians 2.18 For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. What does that mean? If I rebuild that which I was set free from first when I became a Christian, that old nature that was condemned to death, was crucified with Christ, if I rebuild that, then I make myself a transgressor. That's the old man. That's the flesh. That's he who abides in himself. However, there's another scripture, if you want to look at it in 2 Corinthians 5.17, which probably every one of you can quote. But are we living it? Which says... If any man be where? In Christ. He is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I didn't write that. That's what he says. So he he gives us a way out. He gives us a way to deal with this tendency that we have as humans, as human Christians who want to get back under law and end up in sin. And that way out is to renew again the fact that we are in Christ Jesus. And being in Christ Jesus, we're a new creation. You remember the the thing we put up there at first? The, the title of the, of the left side was self. The title of the right side is Christ. I can move from the left to the right. I can live in the new. I can live in Christ Jesus. I don't have to stay over here in self. If you're a born-again Christian, which if the Spirit of God lives in you, you are, then live on the right side. Live in Christ as a new man, as a new creation that the Bible says we are. Now back to Romans 8 where we started. Uh, uh, 7 and 8. We read through the end of chapter 7. Now let's look at the first few verses of chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life, remember that's one of those laws, has set me free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. 
In Christ, there's no condemnation. And in Christ, I have freedom. So if I live on the right side of that list, I'm free. Because Christ is living within me. In fact, Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. How does that happen? If I'm crucified, how do I live? Yet not I, he says, but Christ lives in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not even I that live. Yet I'm alive. How am I alive? If I'm dead, how am I alive? Because it's a different person. It's an old man that died. It's a new man that lives. You getting it? The old died. The new still lives. But the new is not me. The new only exists in Christ. Yet I live, but not I who live. But Christ lives within me. I have freedom from the old nature, from all the tendencies of the old nature, from the sin of the old nature. Did you know, let me just ask you this question. Did you know you don't have to sin? (sighs) Really? Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that I don't. But I am going to stand here and tell you I don't have to. It is not inevitable. Chew on that a while. If you haven't. Ask God. Go to the scripture and see if that's not what he teaches. How many of us say, oh, I sin every day and I can't help it. And I will to the day I die. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Now, I, I, I'm not saying that I have to, that I do it, but I'm saying I don't have to. Look at this. Look at the next verse. Verse 3. Romans 8, 3. He condemns sin in the flesh. Wait a minute. Let me back up. Yeah. He condemns sin in the flesh. Who did? Jesus. Wait, I'm sorry, I started the wrong place. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemns sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law, now which law is that? It's the old one. The righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Did you understand that? The law is not just the old set of rules that the Jews lived under. And to which we condemn. The law is actually fulfilled in us. Jesus himself said that he did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. He fulfilled it. And if I'm in Him, it's fulfilled in me too. 
So in him, all of the demands of the law, the the righteous requirements of the law, and by the way, you understand, don't you, that in itself, the law is good. All of its righteous requirements in Christ are fulfilled in me. Wow. So I actually keep the law? Yes, in Christ I do. Fulfilled in us who walk in the Spirit, who walk in Christ, the new man. Now how does that work? Freedom from the old man or from the flesh is not a once and for all thing. I wish it were. I wish it were. Don't you wish that when you got saved and the old man's crucified, that's the end of it. You didn't struggle anymore with that old nature. But I seem to have a problem. Do any of y'all? Dennis does. Paul does. Paul in the Bible did too. We just read about it in chapter 7. If you want to see the rest of it, read the whole chapter. Paul had the exact same problem. I wish it were dealt with. But it's not. And the reason it's not is because for me to abide in Christ, for me to dwell in the Spirit, is done by me depending upon Christ. Trusting Christ. Relying upon Christ. It's only in Him that you live on the right side. And how do you get in Him? Well, you believe. How do you stay in Him? You believe. Yet it's not I who live but Christ who lives in me. I have to believe that. I have to believe it. And sometimes I don't. Sometimes I let the devil discourage me. I let circumstances discourage me and steal the truth that I know is where I need to abide. I have to believe And depend upon Him. Walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It doesn't say, squash the flesh down, beat Him up, work hard to kill Him, and then you can walk in the Spirit. That's not what it says. It says, walk in the Spirit, And you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We'll talk more about that in a minute. What we're talking about is identity. If I'm in Christ, that means I'm identified with Him. I am not me anymore. He lives in me. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done for you of my Father. Y'all really believe that? It's what it says. Believe it. It's true. 
I am identified with Him. The life that's now being lived out in me on the earth is not my life. It's His life. And if it's His life, He does a whole lot better job than I do. Have you noticed? He doesn't make near the mess up that I do. So if I want to live in Him, which I can, by faith, then He's going to run it a whole lot better than I do. Let's look at an example in Abraham chapter 4. Abraham 4, I mean Romans 4. Sorry about that. Y'all know the book of Abraham, don't you? Father Abraham. Romans 4. Now, when I first said that, some of y'all were trying to turn to it, right? (laughs) You know what that tells me? You need to get to know this a little better. (laughs) Romans chapter 4, verse 21. And this is talking about Abraham. And being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised... He was able also to perform. And therefore, it, what's it? It's his faith. Was imputed unto him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Abraham was the first of many to walk in faith, to believe God. And and it says that his faith was imputed unto him as righteousness. That, That means credited to him, counted to him, reckoned to him. He's given credit for it. When he has faith, then he is credited with righteousness which is what I hope all of us are seeking to obtain. Faith in God got him righteousness. And it happened not only for Abraham, but for us. So the truth is, you don't do the new man. Walking in the new man is not doing rather it is believing and what is it believing that God is the new man in me see I think a lot of us struggle right there I can tell you that that God is perfect and and God is all powerful and you believe that you don't have any trouble with that It's when we add the phrase, in me. Because we all know about us. Lance, you know yourself. And there's probably things about him that you don't like. And you're pretty sure he's very undeserving of the righteousness of God. Of this phrase we sang about, holy, holy, holy. 
And we say, that can't be me. Only God is that. And that's right. But only God, that only God who is that way, lives in you. See, that's where we struggle. Is God really in you? Do you just believe that that this God that sits up in heaven somewhere on a big throne with a big stick, scowling at everything you do, is the way He is? You need to read that Bible. It, it, it doesn't talk about Him that way very much. And it does talk a whole lot about that He, to His people, lives in them. He lives in you. That's the, that's the whole essence of this thing. He doesn't just give you a message. He doesn't just have a cause for which we stand and fight. It's all about Him in you. Him in you. You're no different than the worst sinner Walk in the streets unless He is in you. doesn't matter what you've done. You may not have done all the nasty deeds that somebody else has done. But you're still a sinner until He comes in. You've got to let Him come in. And not just once and for all. But every day, living in Christ, abiding in Him, it says, abide in Christ. Now let's, let's read on there. Romans 8, verse 5. He's going to give us a, a, a secret here. For those who live according to the flesh, that's on the left side, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, on the right side, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile. To God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So, if we want to live in the flesh, if we want to live the way we always have, if we want to live in our own strength, then we can do that. But our minds will be hostile to God. And we cannot please God. The flesh, the carnal mind, is enmity against God. And it's never going to change. So back to verse 5, what does it say? For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. What do you think about? What's in your mind? What do you meditate on? 
I used to tell my wife when she'd ask me what I was thinking, I'd say, oh, nothing. And she convinced me that that was a lie. Because your mind is always thinking of something. There's something going on in there. You may be pretty dull, but something's going on. The Bible says, if you set your mind on the things of the flesh, then you're going to walk in the flesh. But it also says, if you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, you're going to walk in the Spirit. It's a daily discipline to set your mind on the things of God. What does it say about that? It's life and peace. For those who set their minds on the things of the Spirit, it's life and peace. That's what I want. There's another example. I want to look at Peter in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14, beginning in 28. Jesus had asked them, I mean, Jesus had walked to them on, on the water. And they were, they were afraid. And in verse 28, Peter said to him, Lord, if that's you, bid me come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Wow. Y'all ever thought about that? He walked on the water. But, when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said to him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? He gives us a real key right there. Peter was in the Spirit when he said, Lord, bid me come to you. And Jesus said, come. And at Jesus' word, at his command, Peter got out of the boat and walked on water. How many of y'all have done that? Peter did it. Peter's a man just like you and I. He was in the Spirit and he walked on water. And it was only when he turned around and noticed that the wind was blowing and the waves were big and the surroundings he was in did not justify where he was based on his human understanding. Human understanding says, I'm a man and I weigh 200 pounds and this water isn't going to hold me up. And as soon as he started thinking like that, the Bible says he began to sink. What did he do? He moved from the right hand to the left hand. He was in the spirit. Now he got in the flesh. Something we all do. He had that conflict going on between the flesh and the spirit. There's another example of Peter in chapter 16 of Matthew. 16 verse 13. Well, let's read. Let's start in... uh, Verse 15, Jesus said to them, Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Peter was in the Spirit. Why? Because he understood who Jesus was, and he didn't get that with fleshly understanding. He says, my Father who is in heaven revealed that to you. And then he went on to give him authority and power. Now look just a few verses down in verse 21. And from that time forth began Jesus to show to his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter, same guy, same chapter. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But Jesus turned and said to him, Peter, get behind me, Satan. He called him Satan. For you are an offense unto me, for you savor not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. <laughs> Y'all ever been there? It's the same guy. Just a few verses. It's the same day. Probably just within the hour. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Walking in the Spirit, full of power. The Holy Spirit's ready to build the church on that revelation. Same guy. Just a little bit later. Oh no, Lord. We're not going to let them take you. We'll fight. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. For you do not savor the things that be of God but that which is of man. Well, that, that gives me some encouragement to see somebody that's as high and lifted up as Peter the Apostle do something just like I might do. Jesus ever said to you, Steve, get behind me, Satan. He has to me. Because I've been the vessel of Satan. I don't like it, but I have been. So what is our lesson here? Let's just read on in Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him what? Deny himself. That's the left side. And take up his cross and follow me. That's the right side. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. You're not going to walk with God in the old life, in the old nature. Somebody said it before, God didn't come to patch you up. He came to kill you. But he knew that when he killed you, he's going to give you a new life and resurrect you. Just like He resurrected, you're going to resurrect with Him. 
And when you do, you're going to be a new creation. Not apart from Him, not on your own, but in Him, you're a new creation. We have got to get that settled. We've got to believe that every day. He contrasts that with some folks that didn't want to do that. They, they insisted on staying in the old. You don't have to turn, but in Mark chapter 12, verse 38, Jesus said, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplace and the chief seats in the synagogue and the uppermost rooms at feast, which devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These shall receive the greater damnation. That's, that's where that old life leads to. It's a pretense. It's a false life. It's a life that tries to look good, but it's not. It's a life that insists on maintaining the old life and trying to prop it up and patch it up and make it look good. Pray the prayer. Say the right words. Even quote a few scriptures. But Jesus said, on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. He, he, he didn't cut us any slack there, did he? We can live that way. But it's a pretense. And you can live that way and probably go to heaven. I'm not talking to you about going to heaven. I'm talking to you about living today in the kingdom of God. Do you know the kingdom of God is now? It's not just heaven. It's now. I'm talking about today. You see, there, there's, there's a little word that, that makes men want to be like those scribes. It's called control. Men like to be in control of their own lives. Some men insist on it. And if you insist on it, you can do it. But if you're going to maintain control, you're going to, you're going to live as the scribes did. You're going to live a life of pretense. Patch it up, paint it up, make it look good. But on the inside, it's full of dead men's bones. So it's really your choice. You can have either one. Now let's, let's go back to Romans 8 and we want to finish up and see what he says after he tells, tells us where we have to keep our mind. We read through verse 8. said, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now look at verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. So really, that's the question. Does the Spirit of God dwell in you? Only you can answer that. You might convince me that he does when he really doesn't by patching yourself up and making it look good. But you won't be able to do that for long. Because pretty soon that old nature will show up. 
that old man just can't stand to not get a little honor every now and then. To be recognized. He just got to have it. And especially if he's one of those guys that's got to be in control. He's got to have glory. Y'all, y'all wonder how I know this? <laughs> I know it very well. That's why I know the truth. But furthermore, I know this. I'm not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, because I know that the Spirit of God lives in me. You've got to know that. Now, how are you going to know that? You're going to know it by faith. And, and I want us to turn to Second Peter, chapter 1. Paul's not the only one that had this struggle. In fact, everybody does. First, I want to read you, beginning in verse 5. 2 Peter 1, 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of God, of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You will be fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ if you have these things. Verse 9, But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So if you have these qualities within you, you're going to have the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't, then you're going to be blind and you're going to forget that Jesus Christ died and paid for your sin and you're freed from it. Now I say that, I point that out to you, but I want, to, I want to say this now. What is being fruitful all about? Isn't being fruitful what every Christian wants to be? To bear fruit unto God, to honor Him and glorify Him? This tells us that we can be. But there's a, there's a very important nugget prior to what we read, and I want us to back up and see what that is. Back to verse 1, 2 Peter Chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to who? To them that have obtained like precious faith with us. One version reads, who have obtained faith equal to ours. Peter gives us a, a very important key to walking on the right side. It's faith. You thought I was going to give you some big revelation. It is. It's the biggest revelation you're ever going to get. But you've heard it before. Have you obtained 
faith like theirs. Look what happens if you did. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Wow. All things that pertain to life and godliness have been given to us? Through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us, there it is again, exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Whoa, we're getting into some heavy stuff here. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness and great and precious promises whereby we might be partakers of His divine nature. I mean, that's heavy. That's, that's the whole gamut. If we partake of His divine nature, then we're like Him, right? How do you do that? Well, I don't think you do that except that He do it in you. It's His divine nature in you that we're after. And He says right here, He's giving it to us. Christmas was just over. We still have a Christmas tree. By the way, I, I dressed to try to match the Christmas tree. I almost did. Ross told me this was the color of royalty, so that's why I wore it. Christmas was just over, and we exchanged gifts. And what joy there is to give somebody a gift. And when they give you the gift, what do you do with it? You receive it. You open it. You take it. That's really all you can do with a gift. You can't pull out your wallet and say, Oh, well, here, let me pay you for that. Some try. Some say to God, Well, how much was that, God? Uh, would you take a credit card? It's a gift. He has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. What do you do with a gift? You receive it. He's given us great and precious promises that by them you might be partaker of the divine nature. Rod, will you put that last slide up? Same slide, a few words added at the bottom. You got to receive it. You got to know it. You got to believe it. And you got to identify with it. There's a scripture in Hebrews 10.35 which says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For he that shall come will come and will not tarry. But the just shall live by faith. Well, there's a lot more. The just going to live by faith. 
If you're going to do what we're talking, if you're going to live on the right side, then you're going to have to do those things at the bottom. Because it's been given to you. Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Be mindful of the things of the Spirit. Deny the old self. And instead depend upon God. Depend. Depend on Him. Don't do it yourself. Paul said in Romans 13, 14, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Just denying. Just ignoring. Don't feed Him. Make no provision. So do you want life in its fullness? then you have to seek the life that God counts as life. Let me say that again. If you want the full life in Jesus Christ, you have to seek the life that God counts as life. Not the one you count. The one you count is the old one. You're going you're gonna to protect Him as much as you can. But you've got to seek the one that He counts Or he reckons as life. And God reckons truth with life. And where are you going to find truth? Well, he said he was the truth. He also said he was the life. He further said, Sanctify them, Lord, through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So if you want to know the truth, if you want to find life that God counts as life, You have to find it in the Word, in the truth. You can't just get a good feeling. You've got to have something solid that you can believe. You're going to walk this walk by faith, no other way. And when you do that, you're going to find the God living in you that created you and all the universe. He didn't make a big mistake at all. He didn't make any mistake. And you're part of that. You can live that. I haven't told you one thing this morning that you probably didn't already know. What I believe God will do and has done, as I've shared this with you, is He has imparted to you something that you didn't have. He has re-energized your faith. He has increased your faith. He has given you, there again, He's given it, power to believe. Power to know. Power to identify with Him. So I'd I'd ask everybody to stand right now, if you would. And we're going to close with a prayer. And I'm going to voice the words that I I hope will be your prayer for yourself. As I say the words, you personalize it. I mean, if if this means anything to you, you personalize those words for yourself. And you ask God to do the thing that I'm praying. Father, I ask you in the power of the Holy Spirit... To fall upon each one of us. 
to fill us with yourself. To root out all evil and sin that might be there. To destroy all unbelief. And fill us with knowledge of you. From your word. And give us confidence to believe that we are not ourselves anymore. But that we are a new creation. And that new creation is really you. But that you are in us. God, let me be different. Let me be you in the earth. Let me be a vessel that you can live in and go about living your life on this earth. In the power and name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, thank you. You're dismissed.